This conversation is brought to you in part by Calavo Growers, the family of fresh. Hey there, everybody. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or wherever you are, wherever you are across this planet. We so appreciate you being here, listening to what we're up to and bringing out some good things, trying to inspire, change the world, do some heavy lifting, get conversations started, need to be had. Absolutely thrilled today with my guest. So stoked to have her. So excited to talk about this subject. This is something y'all know I believe in wholeheartedly, how we're taking care of our kids at school. What do we need to be doing? How do we change that narrative? So everybody, please give it up for the co-founder and executive director, for Wellness in the School, please welcome Nancy Easton. Welcome. Thank you, Todd. Thanks for having me. And just a reminder, it's Wellness in the Schools, plural. Oh, you're right. Did I leave off the S? You did. What the hell? Okay. I'm fired. That's it. I'm we got, fired. We got an hour of this. You might as well start right or I'll start to get no, uncomfortable sh- when you say it wrong, you know? <laughs> well, I don't even know why I said school. I didn't, it's right in front of me. It's not like there I There are a lot read. of schools. There are a lot of schools. You're, you're, well, we're going to talk about that, and I'm excited. Yeah. To say, I can't wait to show that comparison from from there to now. We're going to do all that. Yeah. It's super fun. But yeah. like I said, it is such an honor to have you here bec- You know, to talk about the work that you're doing, how you've been inspired by this work, where your journey's taken you, <clears throat> and more importantly, something I know you believe in, you know, all in, you know, hard in the paint, about how we're going to help our kids eat better, learn better, be better, and what that really means for our global community our future, the cost of healthcare, all these things that you want to draw into this conversation. But boy, it's so important that we look back and start worrying about our kids and how they're eating on a, on a much larger scale. So I'm just happy to have you and thank you for being here. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. This is going to be a blast. Be for, like, standing. This is good. <laughs> yeah, I'm all, I, yeah, I got I to gotta stand. I guess there's, there's too many, I, whatever, however many consonants run together for whatever I have, they just yeah. don't work sitting down trying to shoot the show. I just, there's too much energy. Yeah. So, what, you. you know, before we get going though, like I do with all my guests, I just love it if you wouldn't mind just tell everybody a little about your journey and bio and who you are a little bit, because I think when it comes from your heart, it's so much more impactful. I can do that. Although, Todd, I do have about 60 years of a journey. So how much time do we got? You take all the time you want. Just get to the good stuff. Don't, you um, know, I don't, I, we don't need to hear about, you know, starting with the paper route and stuff. I mean, which although, is great, which I'm inspired okay. by that. But <laughs> although whatever be, you want. Okay. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate it. No, but to be fair, I, as probably with most of your guests, like, you know, my upbringing and is, is really important and plays into kind of what I'm doing today. So I'll do that quickly. I'll, I'll go back to you know, that somewhat quickly, and then I'll get to where I am. But um, so I'm born and raised in Miami, Florida. And uh, actually, my parents are from Pittsburgh. um, But by the time they were 23, had three kids. And so my dad was uh, um, going to university, University of Miami, and they lived in what was then the Mary dorms at the University of Miami. I'm not sure those kind of things existed in the 60s. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Um, So I mean, it's still happening today. But I guess they're, you know, not not supporting families who have kids. But anyway, we won't get into that. My parents had three kids. He was still in college. I was born there. They decided when he graduated, hey, it's much warmer in Florida than it is in Pittsburgh. They, my mom found a cute little home in Key Biscayne, Florida, and that's where I was raised. And I share all this because being raised in Florida, we ran around outside and played all day long. And that's what yep. we did. 
You know, it's, it's not, it wasn't like, oh, you're a structured sport, do this now. I did, you know, we did do the local athletic club sports. I did play sports in college, you know, year round. Um, but mostly it was running around and playing. And mm-hmm. I know we're talking mostly about food today, but this, the sports aspect, the fitness aspect is equally as important for me as a person, as well as a, um, as an educator and a founder of an organization. But I also, in addition to the running around being healthy, my mom was fondly called uh, nature lady by our friends. <laughs> and that was not only because she, you know, was brown bread back in the sixties and seventies when, you know, white bread was a thing, Kara brownies, um, fruit trees all over our, our yard and um, at convincing the local athletic club to sell grapefruit and oranges instead of candy at the local sales. This is, you know, this is, she was way ahead of her time. I love uh, it. Also had chickens and, and remind, mind you, this is a beach community, barefoot yeah. beach community. It was not a farm community. She had, you know, she, people raise chickens now, but she raised chickens in our backyard. So we'd have farm fresh eggs. Problem was, she finally had to build a chicken coop because the, you know, the, 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 the possum were, were chasing the chickens. So she built the coop, the, the possums got in, the chickens didn't get out. But anyway, that's, a, that's, that's my farm fresh egg story. But fast forward this, this upbringing, which was, you know, privileged, you know, decidedly middle class back when this country actually had a middle class. Right. But, yeah. uh, but, but, but very privileged compared to certainly the, the students who were working within feeding now um, and athletic outdoors and nature lady. So that's, that's, what, that's what I had and that's all I knew. So fast forward to, yes, we went to college, played three sports and all that went to my background as an educator. I'm an, I'm, I'm an athlete and educator. I'm, I'm not a chef. I'm not a nutritionist. I'm a health coach, but um Fast forward to me running a school as a, as a kid in my 20s, and, and, um, and I'd watch children come into school with a bag of chips and a bottle of soda. Yeah. That was breakfast. Their lunch was an overly processed school meal. Their recess period was very sedentary. And what I, you know, what I say is that I, I saw the impact of poor diet and lack of physical activity on children's ability to learn. This was the 90s, mid-90s. Not too many people were talking about the childhood obesity epidemic. We, we, Michelle Obama was not yet our first lady and really bringing it to the, to the attention of many. Um, but I saw it firsthand. And so I set out with this big, bold vision. And I also, sorry, to tie back to my, my journey, um, th- I compared this to my, you know, my own life. I'm like, I grew up running around and playing and eating well. And I didn't understand why this wasn't happening you know, Elsewhere, yeah. so many years later. And frankly, that ties to the actual statistics around obesity. When I was a kid, it was 5%. It's now 40%, right? So something changed in our country and I, I lived it and I saw it and it was a problem that I was going to fix. So I've now had my blinders on to all the many other problems in this country, but <laughs> we'll start with that. Well, um, but you know, but uh, quite yeah. frankly, that, that problem you're working to solve is 50 other problems. Thank you. That's the thing. Thank you. It's not yep. one problem. It leads to 50 pro- or 60 or whatever the number you want to throw at, but it's just not one. And I 100%. think that's the importance of this conversation. Thank you. you know, without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, fascinating journey. And, and you remind me so much when I hear what you said, Hey, you know, being a kid, the same as us, you know, it's like you, whatever sport was in season is the sport you played and the front yeah. door was unlocked. It's a different world. But one of the things I think is so pivotal about what you shared is, as I say it all the time, is, is that first rung of the ladder, right? That is the most important rung. And that it was your upbringing, what your mom did and what you saw and what was put into your heart, put into your mind. And then that strong base is what's 
I think helped you climb, kept you when it was wobbly, you know, yep. getting to the point where you are now, because when we get drilled down into this a little bit in a couple of seconds, people are going to be blown away. I think what you all are up to, and I'm excited to share the journey before we get into that. I want to frame up a little bit if we can, mm-hmm. um, kind of what's going on out there. And so I, I want to start with this because I think it's just a really powerful statement. And I think I'd love to hear what you have to say on it. Okay. What does a, a healthy America starts with our kids mean to you? Hmm. Well, First of all, we are living in an unhealthy America, and I, I'm, I'm pretty sure your, your viewers know the statistics and data around this, and I don't want to throw them out lightly without that data being connected to people, to humans. Yeah. But, um, you know, if we continue, and, and, and I also want to say that whenever I talk about the obesity epidemic or the related illnesses, the health, you know, heart disease, which is our number one killer in this country, diabetes, strokes, cancers. I, I, I want to be very clear from the onset, and we'll talk about this probably more going on. This is mm-hmm. not a shame and blame thing. This Mm-mm. is not like, oh, this kid made this choice, or this parent made this choice. And to your point, when we talk about this, this is a layer of many problems. This is a systemic issue. This is an access issue, an availability issue, a cost issue, which is why we work in schools. So let me answer your question, because schools children have access to that. So I love to always frame it as a positive thing. Like yeah. this is awesome that we can change the trajectory of someone's life because heart disease, diabetes, strokes, cancers related to all of this are five to seven, and, and you can check my statistics, but I think it's five to 10% are actually um, genetics. The, mm-hmm. the rest of those diseases is a hundred percent diet, exercise, and environment. Again, not a choice for so many Americans, but it's still diet exercise. So we can change that. We can, we, all of us can work in schools to make a difference for so many children. So what a healthy, a healthy America starts with kids. You know, this generation, our generation is, is, I don't want to say we're a lost cause, but it's, it's, it's not looking good. We're at about half of us, right? 50%. Are, are, are at are already at, are at risk of yeah. heart disease and but we have kids unfortunately in new york city i'll give you a statistic one out of every five little babies little kindergartners pre-kindergartners enter kindergarten already at risk of heart disease diabetes cancers related to obesity already so right. it's we're already work a lot working against us but if we can start young if we can start as you said embed those 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 um that those privileged values that I was given at a young age. And the only place I know is schools, we can make a difference. So it starts with our kids. There are, I mean, I want to sound cliche. They're our future. We've got to raise a healthy generation. If we're going to have a workforce, if we're going to have less of a, of a, of a burden on our economy, you mentioned yeah. it, it's $250 billion a year on obesity related illnesses. So we got to start with the babies to help them make it, you know, be, be a different uh, generation to, to tilt those data points back from 5% when I was little to 40%. Let's go back to five. Thanks for joining the Todd Versation. And now a word from our sponsor. Hello, this is Jesse from Superior Fresh. Check us out at www.superiorfresh.com to learn more about how we raise our Atlantic salmon without the use of hormones, antibiotics, or pesticides. Our Heart Check certified salmon boasts two times the omega-3s of other salmon and are fed an organic and non-GMO diet. 
Our fish thrive in water naturally filtered by our USDA certified organic greens, which allows us to recycle 99.9% of our water. This is salmon as it should be. Order Superior Fresh Salmon direct to your home by shopping with us online. And listeners of this episode can use the discount code TLC15 to receive 15% off your order. We make it easy to get the best salmon in your homes and on your plates. We've got you covered. Superior salmon equals superior taste. Shop now and use code TLC15 for 15% off through the end of the month. When you start to peel back that onion and you start to look at those statistics, it's crazy. And I think, you know, you brought this up and it was kind of leading to my next question about, you know, why does it matter that we worry about this? Why is children's, you know, childhood obesity something we need to, to, to worry about? Because I think sometimes you get to the point where it's like, well, why do I need to worry about it? I don't have kids. My kids are 16 and 23, right? It's like, I don't need to worry about that kid anymore in elementary school. The problem is that kid in elementary school will eventually be your problem if we don't make these changes. And I think we have to start thinking more about that in a global community type of a way that, you know, it takes, it's going to take all of us to lift where we yeah. are today. And I think we've got to start to embrace that. And I, and that's something I just keep trying to be, keep thinking about. It's like, you know, somebody shared something with me and I keep holding on to it. It's like, I think we need to stop being like a Brillo pad and I'll start to act more like a sponge. I think we'll do a lot better. You're right. And you said it, nothing else matters if we don't have our health. You know, I, I often say, think about the you know, for, for we privileged healthy folks, think about the one to two days a year, maybe the week in the year when you, you don't feel great, you, you can't get up and you can't get out of bed. You know, that happens. You can't be productive in your job. You can't be a good parent because you feel like shit. Imagine feeling that way every single day of your life. And that is really about half how half of America feels. Yeah, Imagine but they don't that. know it. They don't and know they it don't anymore, know. too. Yeah, they don't. Yeah. They just that's how I feel today. Or take the pill, or whatever, to feel better. But imagine that, and that's why, to your point, this is a the, our healthcare system is an economic crisis, and we're all going to be paying for it. So, yeah. Sorry, I'm yeah. preaching no, no, no. I get a little no. excited. <laughs> no, get excited. Look, this is what this is the reason why you know I, I wanted you to come join me is because this message. Yep. Uh, you know, look, I, I firmly believe you could you could tell this message three times a day for the next 10 years. And it's still not enough to get the point across. I mean, we have to keep beating this drum. And, yeah. you know, I, I, I don't want to sound, uh, you know, a little bit of a hard ass, but, you know, 50 years old, 50 year old people, it is what it is, folks, right? You're either in and you're out, but we're talking about yeah. people that are making choices for two, three-year-olds, four-year-olds that are causing these problems. And this to your point of access, these things that we have to start to address because to your point, it's domino and it's been dominoing for a very long time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, I mean, so so tell me why, you know, let's get into this. I want people to hear this from your perspective, because I think yeah. this is, you know, why do healthy, you know, bodies equal a healthy mind with our kids? Um, well, I mean, it, it goes back. I feel like I'm answering this, this the a diff, a same question in a different way. It definitely, and I apologize for that, but it definitely goes back to um, really, if we don't, if we wake up the way we one wakes up on a bad day, every mm -hmm. day, we can't think. We can't work. We can't be a good friend. We really can't do any of that. And and so we, you know, it's, it's our tag: healthy bodies equal healthy mind. It's sort of simple and duh. Like it's it's all it, what we put into our bodies is going to make such a difference, and not and 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 how we work and and how we play and our moods, right? Yeah. And our energy levels, all of those things. And we 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 haven't really we're tiptoeing on this a little bit, but 
what we work on, we, we hire chefs, not nutritionists. Mm -hmm. And those chefs are, it's, you know, their tag feed kids real food. And listen, all food is processed. The minute you take lettuce and chop the head off of it and wash it, you've processed it. But I'm talking about the overly processed foods that, you know, the, the chips, the, the, the cookies, the, 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 the brownies, the, the package, those packaged foods that most of our government dollars, again, which is why it's not shame and blame, most of our government dollars go to subsidizing. So right. we're subsidizing corn and you know this, we're subsidizing wheat, we're subsidizing soil at the tune of $25 billion a year. Billions and billions and billions. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and guess what? That's not even going to feeding people. It's feeding animals in factory farms and it's for meat and it's going to make these Twinkies and, and those that crap, excuse me. And that's what our babies are being fed. So mm -hmm. then they their metabolic system and i'm no doctor but here's how i oft, often say it to families and you know people who work with the metabolic system gets so messed up that they can't even then process a, a, a nice um piece of lettuce that i just talked about right. so it's and 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 i often say to your point if we were to eat a chicken finger i started to demonize those chicken fingers but chickens don't have fingers if we were to eat a chicken finger today and die tomorrow because of it maybe people would listen to your point but it's happening over this time, and right. and it's it's when the when these children become adults that now all of a sudden their blood pressure is here and they're at risk of heart attack and they can't they have this multiple they have this cancer and that cancer, right? But it doesn't happen until later. So, it's, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, you know, and, and I want to I want to come back around to something you said. I think it's important. I I want to bring this up. I don't think people necessarily understand, or maybe they have, maybe they do. But you know what I call the big three. And that food companies use the big three. So that's going to be salt, sugar, fat yep. in some combination that actually triggers a result and uh, our, our triggers our brains to crave exactly what they just gave us back. You know, it is this, it's it's almost like you've got somebody whispering in your ear through your taste buds. Yeah. And it's yeah. dangerous and it's dangerous. Yeah. You know, which is and why people. So yeah. Eat, give so me more. Addictive. Give me more. Give me more. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I, I absolutely agree. And I think it's important people recognize it's like, oh, really? That Yeah, no, they're doing that with food. And yeah. they're doing that specifically with food that kids eat because they want customers to, you know, yeah. they want customers at 20 years old, 30 years old, 40 years old. It's how it works, right? Yeah. And we have to continue to talk about that, especially when it comes to our kids, because again, they're not really in a position to make a choice like we are at age 50, age 30, age 20, exactly. age 15. Right? Exactly. Their, their choices are being made for them. And, right? and, and also, some 50 year olds and 40 year olds and 15 year olds also can't make choices because it's a cost issue because For that sure. has been subsidized by, you know, uncle Sam or whoever is subsidizing it up there, you know, that that's so much cheaper than that head of broccoli. And if you're, if you're on a check for a month and that check's going to run out, you're not going to experiment on kale. You're no. going to buy what's cheap and easy and that's not your fault. No. So I, again, and, and, and I, I want to share one more thing that I often say, Sorry, Please. Oh, go. Um, you can tell I'm not one to demonize. So this whole thing, and this is what happens in our country and maybe in our world, this was actually a good idea back in the 70s when women were getting into the workforce. Awesome. Like, I'm glad that that happened. It's, it's benefited me. And guess what? Women were also the ones at home making dinner. So so these companies that you're demonizing, which is fine, made it wanted to make it easy for us, right? Mm -hmm. They wanted to make it easy for my mom to go to the workforce. So here, heat this up. But then it's filled with all this crap that my mom, my grandmother couldn't recognize as food, which is what you shouldn't be eating, to preserve it, 
so the mom has to, the mom doesn't have to go grocery shopping every day, right? So that I so I want to say because I, I I want everyone has a good intention. That's good. I want to say the intentions were decent. The intentions were to help moms be efficient, or moms and dads maybe if they were single dads, to be efficient, to be able to feed your family and also have a job and whatever and necessity to have a you know people got to work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there was some sense of like okay, but but now how do we do that and also keep us healthy and not, and not kill us because we're killing yeah. us. Oh yeah. There's no doubt. Well, let's talk. Let's get in. So tell me what is wellness in the schools? Okay. Oh yeah. There's that. Um, so na- wellness in the schools is a national nonprofit with the big, bold vision to eliminate obesity related illnesses that begin in childhood. And we do that by teaching children healthy habits to learn and live better. So there are multiple programs. Um, I'd like to describe it as, sort of both top down and bottom up. We are incredibly grassroots and as big as we get, we still work hard to preserve that grassroots feeling. We work side by side in kitchens. We work side by side with teachers and principals. We are in schools. At the same time, we are working for systems change, working for to work with the federal lunch program to improve those meals and to train cooks on those meals. So it's really this top down working with districts and bottom up working in the schools and same thing with the recess program bottom up on the recess yard top down with policies and programs to extend recess you know sometimes recess may be the only time of day that many kids get to play because they're not being carted off to a fancy after school sports program or whatever you don't have the facilities you don't have whatever you have so that recess time we're trying to capitalize on something that already exists but improve it I love that. I mean, what a journey, what a mission, what a great cause. I mean, how many days, how many, how would he work in nine days a week? Gray, you see the gray hair? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I was, well, I wasn't going there. You went there. But, you know, I, I, so I want to frame it up a little bit, but you know, the scale of what you're doing. But before I do that, I want to go back to the very beginning. And I'd like for you to reflect back on, on what looking back, it was at Ella, Ella Baker School, New York School, wow, public okay. school number 225. Yeah. So what's that? When you think about that, and you're looking wow. back at that, tell me what tell me what your memory is of that moment, and what you what you think about and how that how you make you feel. I, I oh so many things as you're talking. I think first of all how kind of innovative we were. Like we we actually developed a class. So Ella Baker was from three year olds up to eighth grade. In the mm-hmm. middle school, I worked with this amazing teacher and wrote. A, I'd forgotten about this until you asked. Wrote a curriculum that was called Who is Food. And we taught them about what is behind the people behind all the food they're eating. And we did cooking classes and nutrition classes and marketing exercise. So, so that was a, a curriculum piece. But um, the the part that was like literally, and I'm thinking, you know, I always, I can date things by the age of my children. I had a, a newborn, I, I was working there with a new, when she was born, but then she became three. So this daughter is now in, a sophomore in college. So she was part of a, class of three-year-olds. So this was an amazingly progressive school building, Ella Baker. There were many other schools in the building, I think four high schools. There was a, a what's called a life program. So if you were a baby born to any of the students in the school, you could, my mom and dad could have been there. You, right. could, you could have a baby, you could have your baby, and then the baby would come to our school for three-year-old to four all the way up to eighth grade. Right. Not to encourage the baby having, but to discourage the dropping out. So I have feel like I had or this is what I thought then. And I look, you know, you know, when you get older, the narrative becomes perfect, right? So we had this perfect eight class of, I think it was 16 or 18 kids who were three, who had lunch in their in their 
classroom. They, um, everything was sort of contained because they were babies. Um, but it was this amazingly diverse makeup of students. It was, you know, my daughter and the principal's daughter. So we had the AP and the principal's daughter. We had teacher's kids. Then we had the, the kids of teenage moms. We, it was just an unbelievably diverse socioeconomic race, everything group of kids. So I'm like, perfect place to show school food, how to feed kids lunch. Right. So, you know, here I am telling them how to do their work with 18 kids. So, um, and by the way, the first um, field trip that the teacher took with these kids was to McDonald's. So I'm like, okay, I got a lot, sorry, McDonald's, but you know, I got a lot of work to do here. So anyway, um, I'm, I'm rambling, but the point is we took, we, ba the kids were, you know, they all qualified for free lunch. They could get, go and get the meal, but we had them only take a drink and fruit. And then we actually we had parents pay what you can. So we had everyone paying. It was like a monthly thing. You could pay everything from nothing to $20, about whatever it was. And we used those dollars to work with local restaurants, Candle Cafe, if you know them, they're the, they were the top vegan restaurant in New York City. Um, Slice Pizza, um, you might know the twins. Um, oh God, I'm gonna forget their name, it'll come to me. They had a pizza's no longer, I mean, this is a long time ago. No, nothing is around anymore, but they had pizza that the, the, the sauce was chock full of veggies and the whole wheat crust, and they had soy cheese as well as um, dairy cheese. So they, so this was all, we, we would order this food, or I had volunteer chefs cooking for me in this makeshift kitchen um, that was literally this wide so that when I had to cook when I was pregnant, that's why I was pregnant with the other kid, I couldn't even fit in the kitchen. Um, and, you know, they're volunteers. So they would leave like after, you know, a month or two when they get a job, which I hope they get a job. So we had them cooking for the kids on the other three days. So anyway, I was like, this is how you're supposed to feed kids, you know, with, you know, fruits and vegetables and whole grains. And sure. so thinking back to it, I think that everything that I have done in life has been 99% naivete. And I dive in. <laughs> And just <laughs> figured out, and you know, <laughs> who am I to show the largest, you know, depart the largest government agency in this in the country after the military how to feed children? But um, but my daughter wasn't going to eat that stuff, so nor was the other kids, right? I love. Well, hey, look, Lewis, Lewis and Clark didn't have a map, right? They just right? went for it. So <laughs> who cares, right? That's but that's where innovation, that's where things, that's where ideas, that's where things come from. So now let me fast forward a little bit and and do kind of a by comparison at this point. Yeah. So, you know, looking at the numbers, so tell me, what does uh, working with over 95,000 kids in 190 schools feel like? Yeah. So um, I made a lot of, I thought I was making friends along the way, but I remember the, the person <laughs> in charge of Manhattan came to, like, he's coming to meet you. I'm like, oh, he wants to meet me, but he basically wanted to reprimand me. So, but I got to know everybody working in school food and actually doing this very, very, very difficult work and, sure. and something that I... I'm not saying this to be nice, but too many times do I hear food service directors, operators who run city agencies for school meals talk about how hard it is. And they don't say that because they don't complain, but they, their actions and their, yeah, sort of how they're, it is so hard to feed a child a healthy meal. Mm -hmm. And that is effed up like why should right. it, why should that be so hard right so um i i have such respect and admiration and um yeah and just and and empathy because we work together now very very closely the districts mm -hmm. that I work in particularly new york and um 
it's it's not easy and how can we you know so what so now what are we doing now so we partner with the districts that we work with to first help them help write recipes um that are mm -hmm. plant forward that are scratch cooked that are culturally relevant and then train school cooks on preparing those menus those recipes and then most importantly provide education to the children who actually eat the meals so the education is actually mostly cooking classes and some nutrition classes and the cooking classes also have nutrition snuck in but the, they are actually making vegetarian chili uh, hummus things that are on their menu they're making it in their classroom they learn about the main vegetable in the vegetarian chili is the bean or or, or sure. um, pepper. So they cut peppers and they, after the class, of course, everyone loves it because they made it themselves and they learned about it and the whole thing. And they're like, this is delicious. And the teacher says, guess what? You can get that on your menu on Friday or on Tuesday or on Wednesday, whenever it's on the menu. So it's those, these cooking classes are our best marketing tool to help support the food that's being served in the kitchen. So it's, it's all it's it's again that systemic piece with the with the bottom up piece. So, I, and I'm not doing it myself at all. I have lots lots of chefs out there in the kitchens. You know, no longer am I like trying to move in the kitchen with my big belly. Um, but we so we're working top down to work on menu and recipe development. Sure. On training the school cooks, they're one of our biggest audiences now. Is school cooks around the country, and then of course the babies who are eating this food, and and you know, and it's not stuff that they're they may be seeing. Some because of the culturally relevant piece, a lot of it they are seeing, but some, but because of you know what's cheap and easy and on the corner, they're not used to food that isn't processed. So we're right. doing around that and they love it they get so excited which then helps to promote and market what's happening in the in the cafeteria so what does it feel like it's um overwhelming mostly when i when i you know hear about all the challenges or or when i hear that this has to be fixed or that has to be fixed or this is not going right but you know the other thing that you learn is you get the gray hairs that you know never every day is not going to be perfect and we're going to there's going to be a challenge in our face and we're going to figure it out and we're going to move on and do, do it differently or the same or you know do better tomorrow you know yeah and, but that, that running around in florida was a good baseboard right i mean think about right? it you, you've right? got that you know you know what it's like you know what it felt like you have that perspective of what it felt like then and you can carry that forward and you're passing that on now yeah yeah that's powerful yeah, it is. It's but the kids have to love it. I, I would imagine that they're, you know, there's got to be a, a, a lunch has to become what I think lunch should be. It should be an, an, almost an event for kids. It's a way to socialize. They're going to learn more at the lunch table in a lot of ways. They're going to learn in the morning, perhaps. And but you create that better vibe and better energy. It just yeah. it translates. I'm so glad you said that because lunch needs to be that. And again our systems, our principles, whatever else, they're taught not to prioritize that and not to look at lunch as a teachable moment, as yeah. a time. I mean, all those skills are the most important life skills, right? Getting along with others, having conversation, asking curious questions, all of that happens at lunch. And then, you know, it happens in the classroom, but very structured, but you're doing it in an organic way at lunch. And then of course, being nourished. Um, and another big piece that I just want to point out is that there's salad bars in the schools now post pandemic again. And right. that having that choice is awesome for kids as well to be able to take their greens, take a composed salad. Um, and guess what? They made that salad dressing in their wits lab cooking class. So I'm going to put a little bit of that homemade dressing on my salad. So that lunch experience, it's not yet 
get there, um, and it needs to be a, a priority. A priority. The best of principles know it's a priority and won't cut from lunchtime. Won't you know? Won't won't demonize that lunch and won't make. It, but it's a it's a special important part of the day. But right now, it's definitely not as important as the football games or as math and English and all that. So. Yeah, I, I, I think that, it, well, I think the, to your point, it's a learning opportunity. I think we put that opportunity to teach them about food and health and where it's at, make that a part of that experience, that communal. Again, how are we all working to become a better group of global citizens? I just think it's, it's just, it's a good lift that's worth, it's worth investing in because I think you're going to see positive results. I think, I think it'd be very easy to start to measure some of the issues that, you know, whether it be, you know, um, attendance, maybe it's, it's, it's attitude, yeah. problems, detention rate, all those things. What could be test curved? scores? Test, test scores. Yeah, I was trying to get it. I, I couldn't. I thank you for saying because, like, God darn, it, I was on the four. I was like, I yeah. know there's another one. I can't get off the back of my brain. But yeah, That's also, well, because sure. it's, it's, it's what you've, you've blocked it out because you know they're traumatized, they're, they're traumatic. But it's oh. all it's all that unfortunately people care about. And I, I I'm often saying if you let them run around and play, I promise you they'll do better on their test scores. If you feed them a, a nourishing, delicious meal, I promise you they'll do better on their test scores. Who cares about studying late into the night? So, you know, there's that. <laughs> I, oh, 100%. We know, too, and, and a lot of people don't, you know, and maybe they do, maybe they don't, but I know there's a lot of kids who get their last real meal on Friday at school, and the next real meal is Monday morning back at school. And that's really kind of a, a sad, scary thing that I think, again, it's another part of that conversation I think want people to digest. Like, really, that happens. Like, like that happens a lot. Yes. And it's dangerous, right? It's bad. To your point, There's there's no there's no good that's coming from that. There's no good health. There's no good health. You know, kids don't need to fast. There's none of that. I mean, it's just not. And what they do get in that period of time is certainly not in their best interest. And so I frame that up for you because I want to talk about what Scratchworks is. And I'd like for you, if you wouldn't mind, share about that because it's just, it's killer. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And, um, just to drive that home too, that's again, this access piece, this the school meals and, and big, big, big shout out to all the schools and the cooks who were there in the pandemic when that really was a place, you know, that families were getting their meals. Um, yeah. And I don't know why I thought about this when you were talking, but just also when I keep saying how it's so hard, we, I did, I left out sort of what, how much, how many dollars, what the amount, the, the dollar, yeah. Spending. It's a dollar per kid for meal. You try to go have a nice, healthy, delicious lunch on that, you know. So there's there's that issue, but and for for school meals. Um, so that has to change if I'm putting any plugs here. But um, so Scratch works, and 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 to your point also about um, kids going home on a Friday. Our federal lunch program feeds 32 million children, and you know, based on the the lunch, the we fill out the forms for who qualifies for free lunch. 22 million qualify, which means they live below the poverty level, depending on sort of where that is in your state or whatever. So that's that's a lot of children who go home hungry, you know, who, who will be hungry on Sunday, you know, when they come back to school on Monday. So in New York City, I think we feed a million some children. It's seven, uh, 75% live below the poverty level. So again, 750,000 kids who will be hungry when they come to school on Monday. So this amazing opportunity to do right by those kids, amazing opportunity in schools, right? Because it is federally funded. Not enough dollars, but it is federally funded. But scratch work. So quickly, I, um, you know, I was staring at our, this is about 10 years ago now. God, now I'm staring at a different round number, but I was staring at a round number. You know how that goes. And thinking this work that we're doing, I guess I've been doing it for, you know, 10 odd years, maybe more. It, it's not, we're not moving the needle fast enough. It's, and, 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 you know, here I am, this small, 
you know, I did think I was going to change, you know, school food with that 16 classes of kids, but we're a sm- I got a little wiser and realized that I'm, you know, we're a small nonprofit um, working, uh, working side by side with, with school meals and we couldn't do it alone. So what we did in the summer of 2019, I brought with, with, with many partners and thought, many thought partners brought together who we thought were the, the most progressive forward thinking um, districts in the country. There were six districts, Boulder, um, New York City, Arlington, Virginia, Washington, D.C., I'm going to forget, Minneapolis, there's one more. Anyway, brought them together to um, to innovate. It was called the School Food Innovation Lab at the time. Mm-hmm. And so we spent two days in New York City, um, funded by the Lifetime Foundation, to innovate, to, to you know, to, what's wrong with school food? How, how can we change it from within the system? Like, I'm a small nonprofit outside the system. We walked out of that with Scratchworks. We said we don't want it to be one logo, not one person can do it alone. So that was the summer of 2019, we, you know, fast forward to the next year was 2020. So it's been a slower start than we want, mostly because mm-hmm. the whole idea was that we would then convene, we would be sort of a, a, we call it a collective, a modern day trade organization, if we will, we don't want it to be so bureaucratic and tradey. We want, it's a collective where we're supporting districts who want to move to scratch cooking without judgment. You might be in the very beginning, and you want to move one baby step. You might be, you know, heat and serve to to opening from a box, what have you. And you want to, move, and you might be ready to move to like garden to cafe. Wherever you are on that continuum, we want to help you move along that. So it's a it's a collective to do that. Um, the idea is we were kicking off the collective with our first gathering, which we didn't want to do virtually. So we're finally doing this next April. In, uh, it's been pushed off, as you can imagine, every year. But next April in Austin, Texas, that's one of our districts. It's the one I forgot in Austin. Um, where we will bring together 100 food service directors to learn with and from each other. It's a it's, it's an organization for and by food service directors, and um, it's facilitated now by our donors, um, Whole Kids Foundation, the Lifetime Foundation, and by the facilitating partners, Wellness in the Schools, and the Chef Ann Foundation. So we're all sort of as a side job facilitating this to bring together because everyone is so passionate about this and knows that it has to be a collective effort. And we're working on both policy to get scratch cooking as a definition um, legislatively and a bill to be able to give districts funding to be able to cook from scratch. So there's, we're working on a policy level because that's what our that's what our food service directors asked for. You know, it's yep. again, for and by them. And then we're doing this convening, which will then provide mentorship and resources to help food service directors move along that continuum. I made it sound like it's really easy, but, um, and it's, it's a, it's a heavy lift and we're, I'm just very excited for April to see what comes out of that energy and enthusiasm. Cause it will be the first time. A lot of this has just been planning on paper and working with the, the operators and working with the facilitators. Um, but that's what Scratchworks is meant to be. And it will soon stand alone. It's now under wellness in the schools as an initiative. Um, but we, we, it will be standing alone as an effort for and by food service directors. I absolutely love it. And and something that you said I have to bring up is a policy part, right? And getting involved Thank and you. being able yeah. to change policy because, you know, uh, d- democracy has a lot of doors, but if we don't use them, it doesn't really benefit us in any capacity. And and I think that people, Thank you. it's yeah. so important to recognize that the government is here for us, whether you believe it or not, no matter how, cra- no matter how cray-cray things may yeah. be or how cray-cray you think they are, yeah, they want the, they want the public to be a part of their partnership. They want information. They want to know what they need to do to make changes. You know, these these folks have kids too. These folks, these the career yeah. people at the USDA, wherever FDA, wherever it might, 
there's some wonderful people doing some big work that people that they never get thanked for. So I'm going to give a shout out to those folks. Thank, Thank you. you. Yes, but, agree. You know, we need to be at the table and help inform and bring to light these things and bring solutions. Like we yeah. need to do this. And here's why. It's so powerful. So I commend you guys. I think it's going to be great. Well, commend the food service workers. I have to be honest with you. I am not a policy person and I have become one through Scratchworks. Mm. I am, as you can probably imagine, like a problem, fix it, do or get it done. And, and oh my God, when you're working with the government, how long does it take? But you it's live long enough, you live long enough and actually the changes do happen. So I'm, I'm, I have, I'm not going to say I'm a convert, but I so appreciate that the food service directors asked us to look at this on a policy level and to not just try to start in the bottom up. So, um, yeah. So, and, and it's, and we have, we hired a, a firm to help us to, to write these le legislation and to meet with legislators. Um, and so I, I am a bit of a convert and I do, it's, it's so cool to see it happening and to sit down with Kirsten Gillibrand and ask her to take this to, you know, to find a bar bipartisan partner to, to bring it to a bill. So it's exciting and we'll see. Oh, I think it's great. And I think, and I, and I, I can't wait to watch. I can't wait to see. I can't wait to, I can't wait to hear what, how it goes and, What's going to happen to her? Because it's so necessary. I think you're going to. I think you're going to find a very receptive audience when you get to Washington D.C. Quite frankly, bring me back on in ten years when I'm staring at the next number. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're still doing. Yeah, well, all right. It's a day. That was a joke. It's, yeah. Well, I know, but I was working with it too. I was working with side the premise. It's we'll we'll make a date on it, but we'll have to firm it up in a, in a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining the Todd Versation, and now a word from our sponsor. Hello, this is Jesse from Superior Fresh. Check us out at www.superiorfresh.com to learn more about how we raise our Atlantic salmon without the use of hormones, antibiotics, or pesticides. Our Heart Check certified salmon boasts two times the omega-3s of other salmon and are fed an organic and non-GMO diet. Our fish thrive in water naturally filtered by our USDA certified organic greens, which allows us to recycle 99.9% .9 of our water. This is salmon as it should be. Order Superior Fresh Salmon direct to your home by shopping with us online. And listeners of this episode can use the discount code TLC15 to receive 15% off your order. We make it easy to get the best salmon in your homes and on your plates. We've got you covered. Superior salmon equals superior taste. Shop now and use code TLC15 for 15% off through the end of the month. So let's talk. I want to drill down a little bit to some more of your work, if you wouldn't mind, because you've, okay. you've got some really, really cool programs. And I'm there's 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 a bunch of them. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Cook for Kids, I think is super cool. You want to touch on that? I think Coach for Kids is another really great, great. one. With I don't know. Just go. You've got it. Just tell, talk to me about okay. it. Thank you. Thank you again. I've kind of touched on them along the way. And I appreciate you asking about Coach for Kids because, uh, you know, this is often I often do food talks. So I want Coach to get the same, you know, props that Cook gets. But um, so each of these programs are just and, and Scratchworks even to an initiative. But the, um, those are our main programs. And I think when I talked to, not I think, when I did talk about the top down and bottom up, they fall under different programming. So Cook for Kids is this program of working in school kitchens, teaching cooking classes. Those cooking classes are called our WITS Labs, which I saw you asked about. So that's the WITS Lab, which is part of Cook for Kids. But right. let me touch on Coach for Kids too and, and Green for Kids quickly. So Coach for yeah. Kids, same idea. We're hiring coaches. They're being trained with us. We, they're placed in schools to work on that re in the recess yard. So it's lunch and recess go hand in hand so the 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 idea of our 
grassroots programming is healthy lunch, more positive active recess experience, back to class ready to focus and, to, and learn. With that long-term goal that we're teaching skills and helping to develop habits for a lifetime of good health. But so those two programs really go hand in hand, cook and coach. And the systemic change around the coach is really restructuring that recess yard, advocating for longer periods and that kind of thing, and recess after lunch and whatever else. But the coaches become mentors, become role models for these the kids on the recess yard. They play quarterback on the football team. They, they point guard on the basketball. They're really just playing with kids. And our motto there is let kids play. But they're also in the school for five hours. So they do fitness breaks throughout the day. They do family fitness fun nights for whole families. So it's really modeling play modeling you know not one sport just getting kids active yeah. um and then quickly on the green so some some may argue we're doing trying to spread ourselves a little too thin but when we first started it's like if a school is going to be healthy it has to have all of these things and then you know you look at our logo i'm like we can't get rid of one of our logos so the green for kids the goal was to make to have gardens in all of our schools and we do that mostly with partners where we don't have a specific garden program although we have brought hydroponics into schools with someone else we work with the edible school schoolyards of the world we work with you know small window boxes we really partner with anyone who who does gardening and there's so many great programs particularly here in new york ironically oh, yeah. not a you know it's not the best uh season our, our biggest growing season this summer but um there's indoor gardens and our role then is to harvest those gardens and do garden to cafe days in the cafeteria use those gardens for different cooking classes so we tie it all together um but it's sort of it's it's I, I guess i would say the oldest sibling is cook for kids and then coach for kids and then green for kids i those love it yeah, I, I it's just it's so well, and I love your top down approach. I love that you're trying to to find every hole and patch it and get that get that boat you know rising back up again because I think it's so powerful and I think it's the right thing to do because all of it connects, all yeah. of it intertwines. Getting yeah. kids to understand, you know, watching somebody put a, a box up and grow a basil plant in the window, and then that becomes a part of something they eat at lunchtime. Yeah. That connective energy, that connective That's tissue so real. is so you're right. It is so important, so real. And I think that those those lessons, again, those bottom rung of the ladder lessons that you're instilling right now, they're going to make no matter how wobbly life gets going up, that bottom rung is strong. We can sustain a whole heck of a lot. And now you're teaching those positive choices. And kids are going to remember that. Kids are going to go to the store with a different mindset. It's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredibly powerful. I love how you keep saying that, that get that bottom wrong. So, cause there is stability throughout life, right? Right. Yeah. Well, you can borrow it. I'll give it to you freely right there. Hey. Boom. <laughs> like it's all yours, but you know, I, I want to, I, I organizations like yourselves doing such heavy lifting, no matter, you know, if it's this others, whatnot are really are about the people around you. Right. And you surround yourself with amazing team, your board, you've got an amazing board of directors, you know, you've worked you know, working through with your staff and your advisors, this and that. And, and I, I love asking this question because I think not only is it a good pat on the back to a whole bunch of people that if you want to name them all, that's your call. I'm not, I, I'm not, I ain't doing it. But how important are those voices been to you? And how important are those voices to wellness in the schools through its development and its growth? Well, I won't, just the same way that I couldn't tell you about the 60 years, I probably won't name everybody. I'm not No, 60. I wouldn't do it. I that's why I keep a death, that's about, a death yeah, trap right there. You never want to name everybody. <laughs> I'm many years below 60. Just want everyone to know that. But anyway, but I'm still staring at it. Um, so I'm so glad you asked this question. Thank you. Because I, I hope that as I walk around this world that I appreciate the team that does all the work um, as much as I, I feel about them and as much as I care about I, I'm, as, as I hope I express it as as 
much as I feel it. Um, the gratitude for their work is beyond. Um, they are really the change agents and they come to wits with skills already as a chef or a coach, but they, and they want to use that skill to help others, which is pretty amazing. And, um, and I remember actually one of our restaurant chefs saying, wow, all I wanted to do when I got out of culinary school was go make a shit ton of money and work in a restaurant. And that's not what these folks are doing. And they are just amazing. Um, and I, and you know, I'm a progressive educator, so I really do learn every day from, it's not why I learn every day from, from folks, but I, I really do consider myself an active listener. And I learn from, we, I get feedback often i ask for feedback and we really do shape and we have our structure and our plan but we shape the way we do things based on a lot of what people are hearing in the field which is amazing and i think also we have an, an unbelievably collective diversity of folks and not just by skin color but really background and depth of experience and but but the skin color piece is actually incredibly important we've been very deliberate in our hiring um, so that the folks that work in schools look like and are role models for the children. And that's incredibly powerful. And we, we, we're, our country is learning that more and more, but we've been doing that from the very beginning. Um, so I think just about our team, I mean, I used to say when we were really teeny, when I'd talk to sort of mentors or folks, like how do you, we're only good because our people are so good. And how do you replicate good people? And I finally learned because, you know, it's hard to do, right? right. That you create a good culture and those good people come. And so we've worked really hard at that. And again, I'm not gonna mention names, but there are just so many incredible, like when we first started with actually, the idea was that it was a little bit, we, were, we modeled after Teach for America, where you sort of go in and you do this work for two years, then you move on. And so, right. and and fortunately, hopefully move on to the same field. But we have had folks who've been with us from the very, very beginning. And it's, you know, I've, I've, I've seen babies be born. I've seen babies turn into teenagers and go off to college of, for our team and it's just it's it's we're we're an amazing team and, and i feel so lucky to be working with them and then of course our board is just very supportive i mean they're my bosses but i feel like they in the same way i listen to my team they listen to me and really are supportive of the things that i feel like we need to, to grow the organization and again incredible diversity from backgrounds to skin color you know from finance to communications to chefs to educators and so we really have a great range of skills that come to the board and i they are incredible sounding boards i mean i i can i've got many of them on speed dial i can call all the time you know sunday morning running somewhere can you know and they're always available um because they're incredibly passionate everyone no one does this work for everyone does this work because they're so passionate about it. And it's just, you feel it every day and it's just, it's so rewarding. hundred percent. And that's why I keep talking about it because I find myself like, wow, we have a platform out here that touch, you know, that touches around the globe. And you know, this whole platform is based off inspiration and, and being able to elevate these conversations is to me incredibly important. And uh, that's, that's a hill I'll die on keeping these conversations in the forefront because we have to keep having them because just in what we've touched on so far, you know, the, the reality of what we've touched, which is, you know, everything that y'all are doing and the statistics and where it's at, you know, yeah. we got to fix that. We got to fix that. Right. I mean, we have the, and we have the power, we have the ability, we have the time, we have the, we have the energy, we can do it. Yeah. Right. We just got to get our heads wrapped around it. One of the things you touch on, and I got to get into it because it's a big lift, is money, right? I mean, you got right. I mean, it's a part of what it is. This is not a cheap endeavor to do. You guys are doing a lot. You yeah. guys, fundraising is a big part of what you do. I'd like for you to talk yeah. if you wouldn't mind. You got a big fundraiser you guys do at the Met. I don't think it's probably as funky as the one with the people in metal dresses and stuff, but it could be. I don't know. I haven't been yet. 
But it was sneaker little- chic. So we had sneakers with our fancy dresses. So that's uh, cool. That's, I'm in right there. I mean, I, I, I can, I got that covered. Talk yeah. a little bit about your fundraiser at the Met. What, what's it about? You know, how yeah. was it? All that kind of stuff. What you accomplished, if you wouldn't mind. Sure. Well, to be fair to, to us or to the Met, this is actually our first year that we did it at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. We've, we've changed the venue over time. Our board member and executive chef, Bill Telepan, is now the culinary director at the Metropolitan, at Bon Appetit Management, which does the food for the Metropolitan Museum of Art. So right. when he got that job in February of 2020, when he spent a whole year making sandwiches for security guards, but he got the job, we were like, we have to do a gala at the Met. And so, and then of course, post pandemic. So we hadn't done a gala in three and a half years. And one of our board members said, we got to go big or go home for, for many reasons. I mean, finally, not, you know, our country realized the importance, not hopefully, of, of health and wellness, as we saw, a, you know, a health crisis in our country. Yeah. And um, so for, for programming reasons, they wanted to go big or go home, but also for in terms of raising money. So we went big. I mean, you can't get much bigger than the Metropolitan Museum of Art. And, you know, I was a little overwhelmed, but I really made a point to stop and look at the sun setting and the Temple of Dender and all these amazing chefs. You know, we it is sneaker chic because it's a stand up tasting event. So sure, yeah, yeah. And um, it just it was it was a, a beautiful evening. But most importantly, the, the New York City Public Schools Chancellor David Banks um, came up on stage with me and shared um, news about our growth which was just really exciting. And so, so everything about the night was incredibly special. We actually also honored um, a, a founding board member of Wellness in the Schools and my dear friend who passed away during COVID of ovarian cancer. And so it was a, it was a lot of emotion and, um, and she loved to party. So it was, it, I mean, she really, the, the gala was her big, I mean, every year she did, she was our graphic designer. So every year she, she really planned a beautiful, design theme around it so we honored it was her. A, it's a to-do yes absolutely so um so it was just the combination of honoring susan and um and raising dollars and announcing our growth in new york city was really a very special night so thank you for asking about it oh absolutely i i, I gotta ask so a little bit you know well two things one of which you mentioned something you know i, I believe i think if the government was in the business of putting gyms up you know, seriously, like, you know, government run 24 hour fitnesses, we'd have a whole different narrative in this country. Just a thought, a thought to plant in the back of your head. I like it. You're right. <laughs> you talked about the pandemic a little bit. And I just, mm-hmm. I want to talk, I want to come back around. It. I mean, that was something, right? I don't have to get in. I think we all, we could all just call that, boy, that was something. Yeah. But did that reinforce, you know, your belief in fixing this broken school, you know, the broken system around children's nutrition to that, seeing that going through that experience? Because look, you were in the hot spot in New York. Right. I mean, you, you guys were, you know, ground zero in a lot of ways yeah. for that. I mean, yeah. did, did that, did that tweak you a little bit when you saw that and, and, and where you're heading and what y'all are doing? Well, I mean, you don't really, you didn't need to convince me. <laughs> and first of all, what the city did, and I said this before, and what many cities did in, in, in small, small, small um, towns to feed children during the pandemic was, was beyond. And the hard work that they did to package things and, and unfortunately, so much of it was packaged because, you know, we didn't yeah, know, didn't know. But um, what they did was just was mag mag mammoth. Um, yeah. But coming out of it, you know, I don't need to be convinced of, of that we have a health crisis, right? And I, I, I again, don't quote me on the statistic, but I think it was revealed that sixty three percent of our hospitalizations and deaths could have been prevented by better diet. So we know who was dying in COVID, right. and. Um, 
And, you know, we're only 4% of the global population, but we had 16% of the COVID deaths and cases. And it's, it's because we're, our country is sick. So we went into a pandemic already sick. So I don't need convincing, but I think it did. It, I think it's why we are where we are today with WITS and why we're expanding so rapidly and why there's so much attention and why people are coming to me to want to support. Um, I think that our country is realizing and, and our country is realizing, you know, the importance of, you know, health and, and, and fitness and diet on our health, you know, food, yeah, well, diet, I, food and diet. Food and fitness. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, 100%. Well, look, yeah. I, you know, I, 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 I say this and I say this fr from a good spot. This pandemic has given us the best runway to change the American diet than we've ever had in, in the history of this country thank since you. they invented potato chips. Um, yeah, no, thank you. It's true. Yeah, it's, it's true. true. And, and we have to take advantage of it. It's something, it's a drum I've been beating that folks made a conscientious change. They're thinking they've been put in front of them. Look, you know, four comorbidities to a death with person with COVID that, you know, yeah. you don't know what that means. Yeah. Look it up. And yeah. we don't get deplatformed, you know, yeah. but it is, uh, it is that the time is never going to be better for folks like you and folks yeah. like me and people three blocks over from me that I don't know to all step up and make a change all the way around in this country because yeah. everybody, every, this is a, this is a game that everybody can win. And that's yeah. what's so cool. And that, yeah. The opportunity lays in front of us. Yes. I, I, I love how you frame it as positive because it is, and it can be, it will be. Yeah. You know? yeah. hundred percent. So tell me what's next. What's going on? Give me, drop a big secret. I mean, we got, we got scratch works in April, which I can't wait. What else? Come on. Tell yeah. Me something. Yeah. So I think what's going um, on in 2023 besides scratch uh, works. There's a lot, there's a lot. So, um, but you mentioned the t there's no better time than now, or, or it's given us a runway, whatever the language yeah. you use is great. Thank you. Yeah. And also give, so we work nationally, but New York City is our center, P, you know, where, where we do most of our work. And that's um, our epicenter. I was trying to think of the word I was thinking for. New York City is our epicenter. And, and we work in most of our schools here. And when you talk about the time being right, yes, coming off of a, a pandemic, but also we have a mayor and a chancellor and a leader of the school meals who's new. He also came in, I think, right before the pandemic, who prioritize health and wellness and who understand the concept of food as medicine and right. recognize the great power and opportunity that they have. I mean, our mayor is a vegan mayor, as you probably know, are mostly vegan mayor. And um, so what's next is that, you know, and if we can make it here, we can make it anywhere, right? So what the chancellor announced at the, at the gala was that with wellness and schools has formed together with them a chef's council of um you know celebrity chefs like rachel ray and but and not so celebrity chefs like local amazing chefs or, or one of our wit staff members um ricardo diaz i will mention one um so we, we've put together a, a, a chef's council who are developing these recipes so it's it's kind of what we've been doing for 17 years but it's being given the attention as you said we finally have this runway and we have a like-minded mayor and a like-minded office of food policy and a like-minded chancellor and a like-minded school leader um school food leader so what's next is that we are going to be training uh, this year is, 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 is testing those recipes with kids, um, testing them with the chefs and then tasting them with kids, getting feedback by kit from kids this entire school year on, you know, North African gumbo. Um, and it's the, the recipes are culturally relevant, scratch cooked and plant based. And that's I'll keep repeating that a million times. And so that, um, and again, what we've been doing all along, but giving it now a platform. So we will be um, testing them this year and then next year, 
we will be placing with chefs at scale, you know, and 120 chefs to then help train the cooks on chain the school cooks on implementing those recipes and then of course following it with our education program and really working with all of our partners in the city because this is now the whole city to help educate on um, the why behind the, this kind of food and why and nutrition classes and cooking classes and gardening classes so really engaging what's next is is you know a holistic engagement really led by the city and asking us to be their partners and that is just like I feel so humbled and I think it's it is 17 years of you asked about our team of people working building trust working side by side in kitchens treating people kindly listening to where people are coming from and helping them to get to the next place doing this day after day after day for 17 years has really gotten us to this place where we've been we've been invited in and we've been trusted to help move the needle so I'm not sure you're expecting that answer. If, if, if I'd given this talk a month ago, I couldn't have said that. So it's really exciting. And um, I'm just, again, honored and humbled to be sitting at the, sitting, you know, um, I don't want to say at the doorstep, sitting side by side. I mean, we were at, yeah. we were, we were at headquarters yesterday tasting these amazing, uh, you know, a, a lo mein by Chef Anita Lowe, a tofu lo mein, and um, the, this North African gumbo and, uh, just amazing dishes with these chefs and then um, giving them feedback for to get them ready for the kids. Um, uh, absolutely. So it's love real it. great stuff and working so closely in partnership with districts, which I just love. I absolutely. So, so can I put Saint in front of your name? Can we just call you Saint Nancy? Can we do that now? <laughs> don't do that. No. The pressure of perfection, the pressure of saintlyhood. No, don't do it. <laughs> I love it. I, I've got to tell you, I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed, learning what y'all are doing. And I have absolutely enjoyed hanging out with you today. You are such a source of inspiration. You are a light. You are a light right now that we need oh. your work, your team. I don't know how to thank all of them. You can do it for me. Hopefully I'll watch it. I'll, <laughs> hey guys, I'm thanking all of you right here. <laughs> but you know, you've got a big lift. You're doing it. You're doing it without hesitation. You're all in, you know, I, I, I just, I keep going back to what you said about your mom and what, yeah. how you were as a kid. And I see that I, I think I could almost see you as a kid today. Mm -hmm. uh, what was in your heart back then, who you were, your person. I could just, I don't know. I'm just having oh, some weird epiphany moment, but you. I can see it translating here. And it's just, it radiates out of you. The love that you have for what you're doing, your team, these kids and your mission. I, I, I got, no, I, I'm just, you got me, you got me today, man. I'm telling you, you're my inspiration. <laughs> you're my inspiration for today. And I just so proud of what you all are doing. And just like I said in the beginning, and I say it again, it is an honor to have you on my broadcast. It really, really is. Well, it, it goes back, the honor goes back to you because honestly, like you ask such thoughtful questions to really bring out the, the greatness of this work. You, you got, you get it, you know, it's, it is about the people. And um, I so appreciate that. No, thank you. It's, it's, and, and obviously your great humanity brings out the best in others. So thank you so uh, much. Thank you. Hey, open invitation. Will you please come back? And 10 years. No, I'm just kidding. I'll come oh, back shit. anytime. <laughs> I'm, telling you, I'm telling you, that's a soft yes on that 10-year date. I'm telling you right now. The, the good. The, let's hope that I'm here next year with all these policy changes, okay? Well, yeah. Well, you're probably in, you're going to be in Washington, D.C. more than you probably think. Don't worry. <laughs> Don't worry. But I, oh. it's, it, it's the, the policy part, getting into D.C., talking to, talking to the, the members up on the Hill is yeah. so much fun because they want to know and they want to learn. Yeah. And yeah. It, it, you just, yeah, just get all the sound bites out of your head and just walk in there with an open heart. And I'm telling you, you're going to have a great Aww. experience. Oh, I love yeah. that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. You're I welcome. 
thank you yeah. for being here. Please come back. I'd love to have you anytime. Thank you. Keep talking this conversation. It's incredibly important to us. It's something we believe in, something we're going to continue to do. Um, so please, open invitation anytime to share. So cool. Awesome. Hey, everybody. I told you it's a great show. I set it up. I didn't disappoint. St. Nancy is out of control. We need to be supporting this. Get online. Get on the Google machine. Type it in there. Y'all know how to do it. See what they're up to. Be a part of it. Contribute. Learn. Call them. Get it in your school. Pick up the phone. Be a part of it. Make a change, right? Listen, we're talking now after you know about how to get more involved in curriculum. This is just as important, kids. Figure out what these kids are eating, how you can make a difference. Make that curriculum matter because we're feeding them good food. So go do it. I say it all the time. Go out and inspire somebody today. If I can't get some inspiration out of you after talking to St. Nancy, I know what the hell to do for you. I don't know if it's a Red Bull. I don't even know. But let's figure it out and make a change in this planet. This is how we're going to do it. This is one of those steps we all need to take. So thank you for listening. Check us out on social media, TLC underscore Conversations. We're there because the Kardashians are. That's the only reason I'm on social media. And, uh, you know, check us out. Like, review, listen to us, send us your ideas. Come on, share your story, whatever. Let's make it happen. Let's keep this conversation going. Say, Nancy, I appreciate you from the bottom of my heart. You made my absolute day today. Thank you Namaste. for being here. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much. Take care, everybody. Be good. We'll see you soon. <laughs>